We're in a Christmas series. Let me just kind of review where we were and what we looked at so far. And so we looked at the prophecies of Christ's birth. And as we study the Old Testament, we discover that God gave us some markers to look for the Messiah. Uh, He gave us the patriarchal prophecy. In other words, he's going to come from the seed of Abraham. And then he's going to come from the family of Jesse. Remember that Jesse was uh, the father of eight sons. And then from those eight sons, he's going to come from the line of David. So the scriptures give us some patriarchal prophecies to look for the Messiah. And then it tells us where the Messiah was going to be born. Micah chapter 5, verse 2 tells us he will be born in the little town of Bethlehem, smaller than Manchester. (laughs) Back in Jesus' day, maybe about 500 people lived in the town of Bethlehem. And the song says, oh, little town of Bethlehem was a small little town, and yet the Messiah was born there. And then we looked at the procreation prophecy. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that the Messiah was going to be born of a a virgin, a a miraculous birth. And uh, we see that fulfilled in the New Testament. Uh, Then we looked at a fourth one, and that was the protection prophecy. And that's from Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, where it says, Out of Egypt I've called my son. That the Messiah would somehow come out of Egypt, and we looked at that uh, prophecy and discovered that After Jesus was born, King Herod issues this edict that all the young children, boys, about two years and under around the vicinity of Bethlehem were to be killed. And so an angel warns Joseph and and Mary, and they go down to Egypt. And Jesus and Mary and and Joseph lived as refugees uh, in a foreign country for their first year or so until King Herod dies. Then we looked at the plan for his birth, and we looked at Ephesians chapter 1 and discovered that the whole Christmas story was planned out uh, far, far away uh, in a time way before the world even began, Ephesians chapter 1, that Christmas was not just uh, plan B, it was not just uh, uh, something to come up with because man sinned and God didn't see that coming. No, he, he chose us and he chose the plan of salvation and the Christmas story before the world was even created. And then um, we also looked at the participants in his birth. Um, we looked last Sunday at the Zechariah and Joseph and Mary and also the story of the shepherds. So this morning, uh, just for about 25 minutes here, we're going to look at the proclamation of his birth from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And so uh, let's journey as we think about uh, the proclamation or the announcement of his birth. Now, way back in the dark ages when uh, Diane and I and our boys were, were born, well, when our boys were born, let me put it, that's, that's what I want to say, we sent out like birth announcements. You guys remember that? You did it in the mail. And uh, this is how you let people know that you had a, had a child and you ordered these birth announcements. The hospital, you could buy this cute little picture of your newborn, and uh, they really weren't all that cute, but we we say they were, uh, and would put a picture in, and would mail it out, and would put the name, and the, the birth weight, and the length, and all the details. That's how you let people know that you had had a baby. Well, today's world has changed, 
And primarily, that word gets out through what? Social media is how that, that happens. Uh, and so you go through Facebook or some other social media, and uh, within hours, you can reach hundreds of people, sometimes thousands of people, depending on how many are on your friend list, and that's how the word gets out. Royal births are different. In fact, this last week I was looking online and I went back and looked at the royal birth announcement when Prince George was born about nine or ten years ago. It was a big, fancy production, and here comes these uh, uh, people from England and all dressed up in royal garb, and, and they have a scroll, and there's thousands of people waiting, and they read this royal birth announcement, and everybody is cheering. Well, Christ's birth announcement was a little bit different than that. And it was very, very unusual, and so we're going to look at it in Luke chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 8, and think about the, the place uh, where this all happened. And verse 8 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Nearby what? Well, if you look at the earlier verses, nearby Bethlehem. So here are a group of shepherds, and they're out in the fields in, uh, in Bethlehem, uh, and it's uh, a very rural area, uh, maybe a little bit like where, where we live. And if you drive around Manchester area, and uh, I'm thinking of Pleasant Lake Road, there's all sorts of sheep out there. So it was in these uh, fields uh, outside of this little town of Bethlehem is where this story is taking place. And then we discover that the, the people involved in this story were shepherds. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Now, I've read this verse dozens of times, probably hundreds of times, and sometimes when you um, read it over and over different times in your life, a different word jumps out at you. And for me, it was the word living. That these, these shepherds weren't just like punching a time clock nine to five. No, they were, they were living out in the fields, in the outdoors, as their responsibility uh, to keep the shepherd, or the sheep rather. Um, author Lynn Anderson writes, ancient Middle Eastern shepherds lived in the fields with their flock and were as much a part of the land as the sheep were. The shepherds lived with the lambs for their entire lives, protecting them, feeding them, watering them day and night, year in and year out. He writes, each sheep came to rely on the shepherd and to know his voice and his alone. They followed him and no one else. And so here we are out in the, the fields around Bethlehem. And there's shepherds that are out there as they are every night, keeping watch over their flock. And uh, this imagery of, of the shepherd is all through the Bible, isn't it? Psalm 23, 1, David says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack, I shall not need anything because he provides everything I need. Uh, John 10, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and the sheep um, listen to me and they hear my voice and I call them by name. First uh, Peter 1 talks about that uh, Jesus was like a, a lamb without blemish who laid down his life for us. So this, this imagery is all through the Bible. But here are these shepherds, they're watching their sheep um, in the fields at night. And the other interesting thing you discover is that 
Uh, a lot of commentators say that these sheep that were right there outside of Bethlehem were sheep that were destined for temple sacrifice. You know, the Old Testament had a sacrificial system, and, and what did you need to, to be a part of that uh, sacrificial system? You needed a lamb to, to offer as a sacrifice. And Bethlehem is five miles away from Jerusalem, where the temple is. And so it's interesting that many of these sheep probably, uh, commentators speculate, were destined for temple sacrifice. And now there's going to be a dramatic change. There's going to be a dramatic announcement that will change that entire sacrificial system. As the, John the Baptist sees Jesus and says, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Hebrews says, he made a once-for-all sacrifice. You don't have to keep sacrificing a lamb over and over and over again because Jesus made that once-and-for-all sacrifice for us. So it was these um, shepherds who are out there in their field, and they're doing their nightly duty as they had been for days and days and weeks and months and years previously, and then something surprising and dramatic happens. Let's look at it in verse 9. Here's the, here's the proclamation. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. I think this is the fifth angel appearance in the Christmas story. Um, and it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. We would have been too. <laughs> it's, it's dark. And it's a quiet night, and all of a sudden, the sky lights up, and there's an angel of the Lord uh, appearing. And it says the shepherds were, were terrified. Uh, that's the consistent reaction when an, an angel shows up out of nowhere. Um, Luke 1, 13, uh, to Zechariah, when the angel appears, the first words, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Matthew 1, 20, to Joseph, Do not be afraid, Joseph. Luke one thirty to Mary, do not be afraid. And now the first word to the angel of the angel to the shepherds is, don't be afraid. And here's the, here's the royal birth announcement. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The greatest birth in all the world, the most significant birth in all the world, took place, announced by an angel in an obscure place, fields outside of Bethlehem, at an obscure time, late at night, to an obscure group of people, the shepherds, and so uh, we think about the rest of the, the text here, and as we move on in our outline, uh, we move on to the praise. It wasn't just one angel that shows up. One angel makes the announcement. But then it says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. How many is that? The Bible doesn't say. Was it another 10, another 100? Was it a 1,000? Was it 10,000 angels? We don't know, but a great number of angels join this angel's proclamation, and it says that they appear with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven 
and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The New Living Translation translates verse 13. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, what a night that must have been. And when the shepherds finally, at some point in time, returned to their home after this experience, said, don't you know they had a lot to talk about, a lot to tell? Uh, but they didn't wait. Uh, and let's look at now the privilege, verses 15 through 20. Uh, the place, the people, the proclamation, the, the praise of the angels, and now the privilege. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They weren't very far away. I mean, they were in the fields right outside of Bethlehem. Bethlehem is this small town. And so uh, they've heard this birth announcement, and they say, hey, let's go see for ourselves. And so they they make this short journey um, to Bethlehem. It says, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so we see these shepherds. I call them the privileged shepherds. They had the privilege of being the first to hear. Uh, isn't, isn't it a privilege when um, good news happens and maybe uh, something really, really good has happened to a friend of yours and they either uh, text you or they'll call you and they say, hey, I want you to be the first to hear about this. And it makes you feel privileged and special. And uh, the, angel, the uh, shepherds were privileged to be the very first to hear about the birth of Christ. Uh, pastors and people that do wedding ceremonies at the end of the ceremony, they have a privilege and always say this is kind of a standard line. And now it's my privilege to be what? The very first to introduce to you and you introduce the, the couple for the very first time. The angels were the privilege because they were the first to hear, but they were also the first to visit. As we read in the text, it says, hey, let's, let's go see this for ourselves. And they didn't dilly-dally. It says they, they hurried off to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And so they were the privileged, not only to be the first to hear, but they were the first visitors to see the baby Jesus, to see God incarnate, God in the form of a human baby. Not only were they privileged to be the first to hear and the first to visit, but they were privileged to be the first to tell others the good news. And good news is not designed to be kept to ourselves, but good news is designed to be shared. And so it says, when they had seen him, verse 17 they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed. And so the privileged shepherds, first to hear, first to visit, 
first to proclaim his birth to other people. Well, this morning, uh, we just want to think about three quick life lessons from Luke chapter 2 and uh, the proclamation of his birth. And so let's just look at this quickly and then and then we will uh, be done for this morning. Here's, uh, here's the first life lesson is this. We all desperately need a Savior. We all desperately need a Savior. And as we look at the, the proclamation of Jesus' birth by the angels to the shepherds, Today in the town of David, a Savior, a Rescuer has been born. And we all need a Savior, don't we? We all need a Rescuer. And uh, the nation of Israel was longing and looking for a Messiah, for a Deliverer. It had been prophesied for hundreds of years. Now, a lot of them misunderstood and were looking for a Messiah to deliver them from Roman oppression. But Jesus did not come to deliver them from a Roman oppression. Uh, Jesus came to be the Savior from sin. Matthew one twenty one. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. We all desperately need a Savior. I love the words to a hymn that's in our hymn book. And it's a short hymn, but it's got five stanzas. Uh, we don't really sing it at Christmas time, but I think it's appropriate. It's entitled, Hallelujah, What a Savior. And listen to um, the words, the text, and the music. Um, Philip Bliss wrote this, Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners, you and I, to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Guilty, vile, and helpless we. Spotless Lamb of God was he. Full atonement can it be. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Lifted up was he to die. It is finished was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high. Hallelujah, what a Savior. When he comes, our glorious King, all his ransomed home to bring, Then anew this song will sing, Hallelujah, what a Savior. And we all need a Savior. And that's why Jesus came. He came as our rescuer. And uh, the gift of eternal life is offered to each of us as we put our faith and trust in Him and Him alone uh, for our salvation and through His shed blood, our forgiveness of sin and a home in heaven. And we simply need to receive that gift in faith. So we all need a Savior. The second thought in life lesson is this. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. Again, the angelic announcement, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for the Jews. No. For an exclusive group of people. No. Uh, For the nation of Israel. No. For the social elite. No. This is good news for everyone. Everyone. The gospel is is for everyone. This is for all people. Probably the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that whosoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not suffer eternal separation and condemnation from God, but will have what? Everlasting life. And so the gospel is for everyone. Thirdly and lastly this morning, 
uh, as we think about the third life lesson, is that our response to the Christmas story should be one of amazement, amazement. Verse 18, as the shepherds went and uh, shared this good news and, sp- and spread the word that the Messiah, that the Savior had been born, it says, and all who heard it were amazed. The, I looked it up in several translations and paraphrases. The New Living Translation says they were astonished. The New King James Version says they marveled. The King James says they wondered. They were amazed. It's, it's the Greek word thamazo, to marvel, to wonder at. And so uh, that very first Christmas, as the news spread and people heard about the Messiah, they were amazed at the news that the Messiah had come. And one of the things that we fight year after year, especially if you have done uh, church life for a long time, been a follower of Jesus for a long time, is that it's very, very easy to get very um, used to the Christmas story. And we sometimes can miss and lose the wonder and the amazement of what God has done for us. That God became human flesh. I remember when our um, boys were born and were fortunate to be in that time period where uh, dads could be in the delivery room. And years and years ago, uh, that that wasn't the case. You just sat out in the waiting room and they'd come out and tell you, hey, congratulations, you had a boy or you had a girl. But um, I always remember the very first time, and this had been 1980, and I'm in the uh, delivery room there in Grand Rapids and cheering Diane on. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I was like, this is hard. And that, la- that first labor was like 23 hours. But then um, to watch the miracle of birth and the miracle of life. And it is overwhelming, and it is amazing. And so as we think about the fact that the Word became flesh, through the virgin birth, the miracle of God in human flesh. And the Apostle Paul writes about it in Philippians chapter 2, in the famous passage about what Christ has done for us and what God has done for us. And he says, having who being in very the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he, Christ, made himself nothing, took on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That God in Jesus made a decision that his only precious son would leave the glories of heaven to come down to earth to live a perfect sinless life, but also to experience pain, to experience rejection, 
He experienced sorrow. He was called a man of sorrows. And ultimately to go to a cross to die for you and for me and for the world. And as a songwriter says, it truly is amazing grace. The proclamation of his birth in an obscure field outside of Bethlehem to an obscure group of people in an obscure time, the shepherds, and the proclamation was, today a Savior has been born. And the angelic host joined in that praise. And then the shepherds hurried off. They saw the baby Jesus, and they went and they told everybody the good news. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. And 2,000 years later, we're celebrating his birth. And you and I have the same privilege that the shepherds did to tell others the good news. A Savior has been born. His name is Jesus. Let's, let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you for um, your word. Uh, thank you for the story of salvation. Lord, it's a remarkable story. And Lord, help us to not let uh, the familiarity of the story, help us not to lose the wonder and the amazement that God himself became human flesh. And Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for those shepherds who um, were the, the privileged first to, to hear and to visit and to tell. And Lord, as we hear the gospel and as we um, accept you as our Savior, Lord, um, may we uh, this week and in the days and weeks and months to come look for opportunities to shout from the mountaintops today, A Savior has been born. His name is Jesus. So we thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for the hope that the Christ child gives us. Not only hope for today, but hope for an eternal future forever and ever with you. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.